0: Welcome to the Mixing Babies and Business Podcast. I'm your host, Amy Lynch, and I'll be covering all things parenthood, business, flexible, and remote work with kids. I'll be sharing a mixture of solo, mini-episodes, and interviews with other business and community leaders who also happen to be parents. Season 3 of the podcast has been sponsored by the Startup Community Empowerment Fund, which is presented by Startup Canada, Mastercard Canada, Sovereign Insurance, and UPS Canada. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave Leave a review online. It helps other parents find the podcast. Visit mixingbabiesandbusiness.com. Adonica Shaw is a mom of three, speaker, author, founder, and advocate for women's health who is dedicated to cultivating digital wellness spaces. She is the founder of Wing Women, a startup that champions health and wellness for professional women, host of the podcasts I Surrender and Self-Care Saturday, and author of the self-help book Depressed to Daring. Our conversation is split into three parts. In this second mini-episode, we talk about Adonica's experience of being diagnosed with preeclampsia at 34 weeks pregnant with her third child, and caring for a premature newborn while learning to look after her own well-being. Let's get into it. When you speak about wing women, it's very linked to your own story of transformation and your personal health journey, because you share openly that you experienced a health crisis with your third pregnancy with Aiden, Mm -hmm. and uh, how it impacted your life and work. So can you share a bit more about what brought you to pursuing women's health needs and being a passionate advocate for maternal health? When I had my third,
1: I started like maybe around week 34. Um, 40 weeks is considered to be a healthy pregnancy. I think technically around 38, you're still considered full term. But anything before then, if you deliver early, there can be significant impact on both your health and wellness and the health and wellness of the baby if they're delivered prematurely. And so um, me at 34 weeks, I started to experience feeling nauseous. I started to feel very bottom heavy like the baby had dropped. I don't know how to explain that feeling if you've never felt it, but just bottom heavier, like the baby was about to be born at any moment. And I knew it was too early to be feeling that way, feverish. And I swelled up like the Michelin man. Um, Those things were early indicators of preclampsia. Um, which used to be called toxemia for those of you who aren't familiar with the terminology preeclampsia. Um, But at any rate, one morning I called into the nurse's station and I reported my symptoms and they said, hey, would you come in? And I mean, honestly, when you're three kids in and you've been through two other pregnancies, uh, you know, if they tell you to come in there, they're probably going to have you sit there. They're going to check your vitals. You're going to get some ice. They're going to give you some graham crackers. You're basically going to be in the hospital all day and they're going to turn you around and um, you're essentially going to be fine. And so- At the time, I was like, eh, do I really want to spend my day over there at the hospital? You know, at the time I had my two younger children already, I hadn't yet departed from work. And so I'm like, I don't want to give up my day. But later that evening, I was at home, I had made this amazing meal, bolognese with Pappardelle noodles, I Found this recipe on Pinterest, and I was so excited to make this meal and just sit down and watch Game of Thrones, because Game of Thrones, right? And they called me back. And the nurse was like, can you please just come over here? Here, I was like, oh God, I don't feel like going over to the hospital. You know, uh, at the time I was living in a city called Pacifica, which is off of the coast in Northern California, maybe about 20, 25 minutes um, outside of San Francisco, which is where the hospital was. And even though it's not a far drive, there's a long stretch of freeway that you have to go through. And it's primarily wooded. It's dark. It's one way in, one way out kind of town. And so you go up the coast side all the way into the city. And I was like, oh, I don't feel like really doing this, but whatever, we're going to go. Left the food on the table, dropped the kids off around the corner at the in-laws, went in and uh, they checked my viability and took them a while to come back in the room. And I'm like, that's odd. Because you generally have an idea if you've been through a couple of pregnancies, uh, what a normal amount of time is before they come back and start talking to you. And so when somebody did come back in, they uh, sat down (laughs) <laughs> I was like, Oh, you know, somebody sits down in front of you in a hospital setting, this can't be good. And they explained to me that my blood pressure is very high, and that I have a condition called proclampsia, you know, up until that point, I didn't, I didn't know what that was. And um, that with my blood pressure continuing to spike, that it could be incredibly harmful to myself and to the pregnancy. And so they wanted to monitor me a little longer. I said, Okay, sure, I guess when they tell you that you've got something that's potentially life threatening to your baby. Baby, you listen, And then within a matter of hours, they determined that the safest thing to do to bring down my blood pressure and save the baby was to deliver. And so within a 24 hour time period, it went from, I don't really want to go to the hospital to, oh, you're going to deliver <laughs> like right now. Uh, so they gave me something to help his lungs to mature and develop. And within that 24 hour time period, I delivered. It was a very different birth experience, you know, whereas the first two were very joyous and there was a lot of uh, excitement in the room and just, it's so electric just to hear the baby. Baby's first cry, the experience was a little different because you have specialists in the room. You have people waiting there to manage your life and your baby's life. And so he was delivered very easily. Um, He was barely five pounds, but they whisked him away. I didn't, there was no skin to skin. There was nothing, you know, they took him away. And then I was transferred to the um, ICU because my blood pressure still hadn't come down. Uh, So he went to NICU, I went to ICU. And for the course of the next few days after that, it was just a very trying time in the hospital for myself because I did not really know a lot about what the condition was. I didn't understand how my blood pressure could be high, even though I was sitting still. I now completely understand when they say blood pressure is a silent killer, because I was sitting there trying to control my breath and visualize butterflies. And yet when they came in to do these stress tests and these uh, tests where they check your blood pressure, I just wasn't passing. And at the time, the way it was set up was that in order for me to go down to NICU, like I had to be stabilized enough to go. And then I had to have somebody accompany me And so there had to be a lot of little things that checked off in order for me to have time with the baby. And I just wasn't passing, you know, you want to send a mother, a newborn mother's uh, blood pressure up, you don't want to see it spike. You tell her she can't see her baby. Mm -hmm. And on that, what third or fourth day, I remember I had kind of failed another one of these tests and I was about to like lean into the nurse. And I don't know if it's just that I worked myself up so much or what, but um, I just started to like feel myself just get huffy and puffy. Like, you know how you get like when you're about to like just really yell something changed, I kind of started to see mirage. And I can't really describe what that looks like other than saying, if you think about those old Wile E. Coyote cartoons where (laughs) there's like mirage in the distance, it was like that, but like four feet in front of my face. The only other comparison is if you've ever used crafting scissors and there's the scissors that have like the wavy line, it was like seeing that in the air. And seeing that I had maybe a split second, or at least it felt like a split second where I could just, I, I turned to the nurse, I locked eyes, and the only thing I can remember saying is like, you know, help me god. Like, those were the only words I could get out. I heard her call code blue. I heard um just a stampede of steps coming down the hallway. Um my vision went so I couldn't see, and then things just got very muffled. Although I could sense that there was movement and there were bodies in the room, like I could feel the room getting full. Um, and so I—that th- was like the, like the last thing I remember. And then everything just honestly went black. Um, when I came back to the room was full. When I started to look around, like you know, my body. Well, I looked around. I, I saw them. They saw me. My body was on fire. And I know that that's an overused phrase, but I would say it's the the equivalent. Like if you've ever. Used one of those black cast iron skillets, you know, whether a camping trip or if you use them in your home, it was like somebody left one of those on the campfire all night and had whacked it into my chest. That's what it felt like to have a have your body feel like it's on fire. That's how it felt. And so I'm looking at them, they're looking at me. I'm like, I don't know what just happened, (laughs) you know? And it's it was just this moment from five day stretch of I'm just pregnant and living life to how did I end up here? After that time period, you know, they did adjust the treatment plan and I was released from the hospital, you know, within a day or so. But it started a new journey for me. One admittedly took me a while to work through. As with anything, when you experience it, it's almost so shocking that you don't really know what to think and then being a new mom or a mom for the third time, and then being thrust back into the house, it's like, okay, you're still mom. You got to come back and still take care of babies and still try to figure out if you're going to breastfeed a newborn. But then, you know, having a premature infant certainly has its own challenges because, you know, you can't really breastfeed if they have to be on a high calorie formula, you know, just their care is different. And so the stress and the learning curve of that added on to all of this didn't really give me a whole lot of time to focus on my own self-care, my own mental health. So I just did what I was programmed to do and what I think a lot of us are programmed to do is like, yes, got it. Still super mom, power through, figure it out, work on it, move forward, you know. And um, you know, in time I realized that I wasn't as okay as I thought, and that I was going to have to still go through the process of healing and go to therapy and talk to doctors and understand my medical records and understand how to articulate my story for myself and for other people so that they could be in a better position to support me. It was a process. And so with Wing Women, it was born out of this place of my own personal struggles of managing work, life, life, baby, life, body, (laughs) and knowing what it means to really have to push through that. So to put you in a position where you can advocate for yourself, where you can articulate what you need, and even if you're showing up for that, you're doing your part to pair you or to match you with people who are ready to hear you and can support you once you get to that point. There's definitely work that has to be done (laughs) even before you get to the help part. You know, just speaking from my own experience... It was a process of reparenting myself, remothering myself, re meing myself. <laughs> like, it's okay if I need help. It's okay if I've been through this really traumatic and very unique life experience and that I don't quite have all of the answers. How do I get from point A to B? And then once I can articulate it, who do I talk to then? So, Wing Women is about that bridge. It's about that process of helping women or supporting them at the very least with peer support or the support of other doctors, health advocates, health coaches that help them while they're in that process of being able to strategically show up and ask for help themselves and to self-advocate. And then once they're ready to speak and tell their story and really put that system of care in place for themselves, that's going to, you know, really help them move forward in life, having somebody there to meet them. You know, I think when we think of the term wingman or women, the first inclination is to think of somebody who like helps you when you're dating, like tries to give you advice. But the way it's used in terms of wing women is a grouping of people that are there to support you, to help you self-advocate, learn, grow as a group. I did not have a lot of that. And it was a very scary process for me to navigate on my own. I'd hate to be like, now that I have made it to the other side, because I'm still a work in process myself. I just, I feel like something like this has to exist. It has to exist because women need support and because it is very scary to learn how to speak up for yourself. And it may not come easy for you. And even if you go and look at my background, like how is somebody, you know, you were on TV and TED Talks and all this, like, what do you mean it's hard to speak up for yourself? I'm proof positive. Like you can be able to speak in front of thousands of people and still have a hard time speaking up for yourself. So Wing Women helps support women who are finding that voice and um, like I said, it just, it acts as a bridge. So as you're finding it, when you find it, after you found it, you have some level of support as it relates to your health and wellness needs.
0: Thank you again to Adonica for sharing her personal health journey as a mother experiencing pre-eclampsia and how it impacted the way she currently cares for herself as both a parent and a founder. In the next episode, it will feature the final part of our conversation where we'll talk about fundraising as a founder and what she wishes someone would have told her before becoming a parent and business owner. Check out Adonica and her work at adonicashaw.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your network and leave a review. It helps other parents find the podcast. You can access more business resources for parents on my website at mixingbabiesandbusiness.com. Thanks for listening.